0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. How are we doing? Church here, church online, everywhere, everybody. We love you guys. Wasn't that amazing? Don't they do a fantastic job? Come on now, let's go. You never know that we've got eighth graders, we've got ninth graders, we've got 10th, 11th, we've got some graduating senior, lots of stuff happening up here. And it's a beautiful picture for us just to say thank you. You guys, and all that you do, whether you're raising kiddos, whether you're, you're trying to figure this faithfulness thing out, this relationship with Jesus out, thank you for what you do because you create opportunities like this where you get to see it come alive. And that's a beautiful thing, right? Right, it's amazing? That's what I'm talking about. All right, today, we are gonna get into this conversation of faithfulness. So Matt opened up this topic, opened up this series called Essential. It's coming out of 1 Corinthians 13, right? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? And you're like, oh man, if the greatest one's love, I wanna wanna preach that one. But I've already heard next week's sermon. Be here. You know, a grown man crying, I'm not afraid to admit it, it happened. Lynn's gonna do a fantastic job next week. But this week, we're gonna get into this idea of faithfulness. So I've got two things specifically that I want for us to take away, all right? So if you're a note taker, if you're somebody that tries to write everything down or process everything, I'm gonna give you the two big pieces up front and then we're gonna break it all down, perfect? The first thing that I want you to understand is this. I want you, everyone here, everyone listening, I want you to take your next step in faith, right? I want you to take a next step in faith and hopefully by the end of this, you'll be processing and you'll be figuring out, man, what is this next step that I need to take? The second thing we're gonna do, we're gonna celebrate faithfulness together, right? Right, we're gonna celebrate faithfulness together. This, up here, band singing, uh, me preaching somehow, uh, faithfulness, right? We're gonna just call it faithfulness. Celebrating this idea of faithfulness. When we are faithful, when God is faithful, lots of opportunities today. So here's the thing though, we've gotta ask the question, what in the world is faith? Anybody ever wrestled with this? Like anybody ever felt like you're, you're struggling through this concept? Maybe we don't think about it enough or process it enough. G.K. Chesterton said that faith means believing in the unbelievable, right? Believing in the unbelievable. Maybe you have a definition or an understanding or maybe somebody's taught you what it is to be faithful or what it means to be faithful. And you can apply and work through these principles, all right? Webster gives us two definitions, right? They can never just do one, they always have to do two. The first definition has nothing to do with religion, even though I believe it does, let's just say. The first one is this, it says a complete trust or confidence in someone or something, right? Complete trust, complete confidence. The second one, we throw it into this idea of belief, it says a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So it's not always about what we know or what we can do. But here's what I'm gonna ask of you today. We're gonna dig into this conversation of faith. We're gonna try to figure this thing out together. We're gonna walk through some scriptures, process through some things together. I'm hoping when it's all said and done, you guys can track with me, right? A lot of head knowledge in the process, you can track with me and then we can walk away taking next steps in faith intentionally together. Does that sound like a good plan? Maybe maybe come on this is this is student stuff you got to get riled up right we get we have fun we get excited all right so this idea of what is faith many of us understand this concept of faith through the lens of the lack of it right many times we don't focus on the faith that we have we're going to talk about that we focus on the lack of faith that we see right so maybe you've experienced a restaurant experience where you go in and it's not exactly what you anticipated it to be. They got the order wrong. They did this wrong. They did the thing wrong. And now when it's all said and done, you ain't eating there no more, right? We don't eat there because that place did this to me or this happened to me. Maybe it's not a restaurant. Maybe somebody's failed you emotionally or failed you in the area of finances, right? Maybe you're sitting next to a person who is, maybe good or bad with the financial situations that are going on in your world and you don't have to say anything or look directly at them. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard to trust people, right? Sometimes it's hard to put faith in people that don't have those opportunities. Maybe you have no faith in, I don't know, our government system or the things that are going on in our world because of the difficulties. You understand it from a lack of faith, but it's hard oftentimes to understand it from a presence of faith. Maybe some of you in this room are struggling with this entire concept of God at all. Like God and faithfulness and faithlessness and what does this mean or not trusting God because of circumstances that have happened in you, in your life or maybe somebody close to you. All of us at some point have an idea of faith but maybe we don't have a definition or a concept wrapped around it. And when it comes to faith, what I'm challenging us with is this. You've really got to know what you are working with. You and me, we've gotta know what we're working with, right? Where do we sit on this spectrum? And so as we dive into this idea of what faith is, we've gotta kinda grasp a hold of what it means for us. So if we wanna look at the New Testament, we're walking through a couple of different verses together, we have to understand this first. The word faith, it's pistis in the Greek, And it literally is translated over 100 different times just within the New Testament alone. It or its variances of faithful or faithfulness, that kind of thing, 100 times. And they all have different meanings or different concepts behind them. So we're gonna walk through a few of these to kind of get a better understanding of what faith is. The first one, faith can fluctuate. Faith can fluctuate. It can change in the amount that you have moment to moment, day to day, Acts 5 or 6, the proposal is this. So, there's uh, the widows have been left out in the conversation of the early church trying to make things happen. And so, they raised up leaders and they were looking for people and they found Stephen. And Stephen was found as a man full of faith, full of faith of the Holy Spirit. We can have moments of faith. I go to Matthew 14 and Matthew 16 with Peter. And how in a moment's notice, Jesus is walking on the water in Matthew 14 and Peter's looking to him and he's saying, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. And I love the fact that any type of a moment of faith where we take that step, Jesus ushers it in. He said, yes, come. You got this beautiful picture and then all of a sudden in a moment's notice, Jesus is looking at Peter failing. You, you with doubts. Why why were you so faithless? Where was your faith? You had that moment and you took a step and it was hard. It can fluctuate moment to moment, instant to instant, circumstance to circumstance. I'm sure in your life there have been many times where you've had a high amount of faith and you felt God moving, and there have been many times where it's felt lonely, felt hard in that. It can fluctuate. The second thing is that God reveals himself through our faith. God reveals himself through our faith. Romans three twenty two and 23, it's a famous verse. It says, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus. God reveals himself. It comes through faith. It says, faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, and this is the piece that most everybody knows, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Faith is given to us through God revealing himself. It's a beautiful thing to see through our faith. The third, faith isn't always Logical, 2 Corinthians five seventeen 17 says, for we live by faith, not by sight. It's an opportunity for us to connect the dots, to realize that it's not always gonna be a perfect answer. When somebody asks you about something that happened or this situation or these moments, when you try to logically explain God, I can promise you there will be a moment where it doesn't make any sense. You can't logic God. You can see him working, you can see him move, he gives you the opportunity to participate in it, but you can't always explain it. It's not always logical. Faith connects us to God's family. It's a beautiful picture in Galatians 3:25 or 26. It says, "So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through what? Through faith. We are children of God through faith. We have community as a family through faith." I love the fact that we see it come in Ephesians chapter six, verse 16, when he's talking about the armor of God and working through the armor of God. And it talks about all the different pieces. And then it says, in addition to this, so plus all the armor that you've got on, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, our faith. It protects us when we're vulnerable. Maybe you've been there. Maybe faith was the only thing you had to hold on to. And it's a beautiful picture of how God works. He gives us what we need in the battles that we face in our lives. Philippians 1 tells us that there should be joy in our faith It says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and what? Joy in the faith. There's joy in the process. And any Christian who's been through the battles and has the battle scars to prove their faithfulness can tell you on the other end, it might not have been easy, but somehow there's joy. New mercies in the morning. There's opportunity to live out our faith. Matthew 17, chapter 20, or chapter 17, verse 20 says, it only takes a little faith to do big things with God. It's faith as a mustard seed. You can say to that mountain, move, and it'll move. Side note, man, I hope someday I move mountains. I do, I hope someday I move mountains. And maybe for me, it's not an actual physical mountain. I don't walk up to the mountain and be like, move! And it's like, right? Maybe for me, it's walking into somebody's life and realizing that there's a mountain in their life and I can help them move the mountain in their life because of the faith that God has given me. We have an opportunity, almost to say that we have an obligation as we get into the next few verses. Faith requires action. James chapter two, verse 26 says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, faith without works, faith without action is dead. You've got to do something with it. It's got to move you. You've got to use it as an opportunity to reach into what God is calling you to do. And then the last one I have here is that faith is required it's required to connect with God. Hebrews chapter 11, if you've ever read this, it's like the, the, like the hero's story. All the, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is therefore essential. It's required. It's necessary. It's needed. It binds us together as the body of Christ it connects us directly to Jesus. Jesus, it ushers in the absolutely unexplainable. It protects us when we are vulnerable. A little bit of it can go a really, really long way. And the faith in God both pleases, it pleases God and it also pushes us closer to him at the very same time. Faith is essential for us as believers. And I love, uh, many, many years ago I did this message and I'm talking with a student and I remember this vividly because you know when they get the light bulb, right, that's like the joy of my job is to watch them get the light bulb. It's not me to tell them to get the light bulb. But when the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, so faith, faith's kinda like a muscle, right? When you use it, when you work it, it grows, it gets stronger, it builds. But if you don't, it, it, it gets weaker, it lessens. We lose out on the opportunity to use it. We we get confused and oftentimes maybe in your own life and mine, in those moments, we insert our own agenda or our own logic. Now they didn't say all that, I'm adding that. But faith is like a muscle. And I was like, yeah, that's absolutely right. And then they ask a profound question. Okay, if if it's like a muscle, then for me, like how how do I build my faith? How do I build my faith? What can I do to grow my faith? My simple response is that it requires action. It requires you to do something with it. Now I'm gonna go a little off course, but I wanna explain something. When you're working with teenagers, there's a lot to work with. That's a good thing. Don't say that to you. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> we all understand, don't say anything because they're right next to you. And you're like, hmm. There's a lot to work with. There's a lot of opportunity there too. There's a lot of amazing things that you can do. And one of the things that they have to do that we have to start getting them to do is to see that faith, to see God moving, to see God working in action. They've gotta see it take place for them to start actually taking ownership of it. And it's our job to help them with that. It's our job to help them see that. How can I build my faith Chesterton also said this quote, he said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. I know that's very heady, but this is what that means. Christianity isn't lacking anything. Jesus isn't lacking anything. It's hard. It's it's very, very hard. And people typically walk away before they ever really get into the good stuff. It's hard. It's not easy to remain faithful when everything else around you says don't. It's not easy to remain faithful to Jesus when life is so hard, so inconsistent, so difficult. Man, it's been hard even in this last season if we're gonna acknowledge it. COVID's been hard. Even as a pastor, I can tell you, COVID's been real hard. You know how hard it is to be another Zoom meeting on top of the 15 Zoom meetings that students already have that day? Right, and you're like, Everybody log on and let's talk about Jesus. And they're like, how about I just don't? A lot of people, a lot of students, a lot of situations made it difficult. And I love the fact that teachers in that moment have to figure out a way to motivate students and keep them going. The Bible gives us a beautiful window into how to build your faith it gives us a beautiful window into the heroes of faith, all of those main characters who've told the story, who you've seen them do things that are absolutely insane, or when you've heard the story and you're like, whoa, no way, that's crazy. But I love whenever you get to take a smaller glimpse into scripture. I love whenever you can dig into scripture and you can find people who do profound things, but they're not really the main character. They're not the big wigs. they're not the people who everybody immediately goes to if you think of a Bible story. In fact, the people that we're gonna talk a little bit about today, they're mentioned in six different verses through four books, that's it. They don't have a huge, huge story to play as far as scripture goes, but they have a massive story to tell as far as our relationship with Jesus goes. I'm talking about Priscilla and Aquila. You ever heard the names before? A beautiful, beautiful couple, Priscilla and Aquila, they were tent makers. These are people who were native to Rome and as they were going about their life, they were under the reign of the Emperor Claudius and Claudius, if you have done any history at all, kicked all the Jews out of Rome. He pushed them out, he forced them out. And so they had no home, they had to go somewhere. They ended up in Greece and they just so happened to meet up with Paul and Paul started working with them in tent making. So you've got tent makers together doing this thing. There's a lot of cool qualities that happen within this story. The first one is you've got a man and wife and they run a business together, which kudos to them for being able to do that. I'm sure there must've been some great conversations in those situations. The second is that you've got the faithfulness of a few people. And what I love about this is when you read about them in those six verses, they are always raised to a completely different standard than anybody else I've seen in scripture. As we walk through their life, there's a lot that's going on. And maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you know somebody in your life who through thick and thin, through interesting circumstance, through difficult situation, somehow they manage to point you to Jesus. Somehow they managed to keep a hold of their sanity and walk through this course of life. It might not have been easy, but it seemed like they had it figured out. For me, like, I think of my mom. I love my mom. Now, my mom, she's what? Hi, mom, love you. I think of this process because, you know, for me, I'm a little bit quirky and weird. I'm not perfect at all by any means. I can be a smidge stubborn sometimes, a little strong willed, maybe. I look at my mom, and she creates this beautiful picture of what it's like when you go through a struggle, when you fight, when things are hard, and I'm not gonna relay all of the things that have gone on in her life, but as she's told me, as I've gotten older and I've learned more and more and more about her story, I am blown away by the fact that she can still get on her knees and pray to Jesus. I hope that's me someday. I hope I have faithfulness like that. Priscilla and Aquila have faithfulness like that. As we dig in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, one of the verses that they're mentioned, it says this, Paul says, "Uh, the church in the province of Asia and and you, uh, English, send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord and so does the church that meets in their house. All of the brothers and sisters here send you their greetings. And then the only verse that middle school ever actually focuses on is greet one another with a holy kiss. (laughs) Paul has some very, very intentional words to say. And he just doesn't say, hey, everybody here, we're thinking about you. We miss you, we're praying for you. He he mentions Priscilla and Aquila by name. It must have some profound impact in his life, enough to be able to mention them intentionally. Right, I'm never gonna be in the pages of the Bible, but I hope I have a Priscilla and Aquila story. When people talk about me or when they think about me, they see me as somebody who continued to live my faith wholeheartedly. I love that they're doing everything that they can to be the kingdom, even having a church meeting in their home. But when they moved from Rome to Greece, they had to pick up everything, change where they were, what they did, how they lived life, and yet it doesn't seem like they skipped a beat. And I have a feeling that has everything to do with their faithfulness in God. I often even wonder sometimes, maybe when Paul talks later on about tent making, if he's not immediately reminded of them and their story in his life. Later, there there was an amazing evangelist named Apollos, in Acts chapter 18, Uh, he, he, he was a fantastic communicator. And he came through, and he's speaking, and as he's talking, they're sitting there. We'll read it in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. It says, he, Apollos, began to speak out boldly in the synagogues, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They knew their stuff. They knew their stuff. And their faithfulness and their relationship and their understanding with God was so in tune that they had an opportunity to bring someone into a better view of the way God works. They were able to help Apollos. Because of their impact and willingness to go, their faithfulness was obviously evident. It wasn't fame, it wasn't glamor. It wasn't all the fortunes of the world or money. It was Jesus that set their course. Later on, they went with Paul to Ephesus. And in Romans, Paul writes a very interesting statement specifically about them. In Romans chapter 16, verse three and four, it says, greet Prisca. I love that. It's like there's a relationship there, right? You give a nickname or something. Like, hey, Prisca. I don't even have to call you Priscilla. I can call you Prisca. I love that there's a familiarity to that. Greet Prisca, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. In verse four, it says this, it's very interesting. They risked their lives for me. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. We don't know what they did. We don't know what they did, doesn't tell us. Potentially, there were some riots that broke out and they were helpful in that process, we don't know. We can assume what they did, but the reality is Paul says that they saved his life. They did something so out of the box that they were willing to put their own lives in jeopardy for Paul's. It's a beautiful picture of faithfulness. And the thing is, it has the potential to impact us. Notice he says all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. What would the life of Paul have been like if he didn't have Priscilla and Aquila? What would the modern day church look like if Paul didn't have Priscilla and Aquila? Who knows the impact that that could have had on us. They followed God's leading. They didn't let their circumstances define them. And the thing is, they allowed God to have complete control. Complete rain. It's a roller coaster of a lifestyle. Moving here and there, living a life that potentially wasn't exactly what they had plotted out, but no matter the case, surrendering that to Jesus. I I don't know about you, but I I love roller coasters. Anybody? Amen? Roller coasters, let's go, right? My family and I, we we took a vacation for the first time in like three years just a, a few months ago. And we went to Universal Studios, right? And this is a pivotal this is a pivotal moment for us because my nine year old son uh, he's right on the cusp of I'm not sure if he's going to be like an adrenaline junkie who really loves roller coasters or like if I'm about to push him over the edge and he's never going to ride another roller coaster again right so I'm in that pivotal moment of like how do I do this because the only thing he's ever ridden is the roller coaster at the zoo <laughs> I need a roller coaster I'm sorry zoo if you're it's a good it's a great roller coaster for like this big. Um, but we, we decided to go to Universal Studios and we decided to, to, to go through the parks and we're riding a couple of different rides here and there. We're having some moments of, of chaos that I'm like, oh no, he's, he's not gonna make it. He's not gonna be an adrenaline junkie like me. What am I gonna do? And then we go into the Toon Lagoon and there is the Ripsaw Falls. It's a water coaster, right? It's one of those where you get in the log and why is every water ride a log ride, whatever? Well, you're supposed to get in the log and go through the process. And he looks over at that and he's like, let's ride that. Okay. So we do the thing at Universal, we get in the line, we're going through the line process, right? Everything seems totally fine, everything's good outside of the fact that they really need to put some bathrooms in those lines because those are long lines. (laughs) It's rough sometimes, okay? I barely made it. I'm not gonna say something didn't happen in the log, but we're gonna be all right. So we're going through the line, we're going through the process, right? I'm trying to text my wife to like capture the video and we go through this whole thing and, and there's no signal because you're halfway down in the middle of the earth because the line's so long at Universal. And by the time I'm able to get signal, like we're, we're basically on the ride, okay? So we get on this thing, Jude's in front of me, I'm sitting here and we go through the ride and there's a couple of little dips, thoughts here and there, that kind of stuff, right? Life is good until you get up to the top, it pulls you up, and then you're going around that left curve, and you can see the entire world. And immediately out of his voice is, I wanna get off. (laughs) So do I, buddy, so do I, right? (laughs) It's nerve wracking. And so this is the video, this is the captured moment of the clip and and, and we go through that thing it was the most crazy dip of a ride that I've ever ridden on. It was intense, it was insane, it was ridiculous. I'm not gonna admit this, but I think he had more fun than I did. Uh, Check out this photo. I still framed the photo of that video and this is what that actually looks like. It is my face (laughs) of absolute terror. And he's just like, oh, I got water in my eye, right? I can't tell who likes this roller coaster more than me in this moment, right? But isn't that the faith journey that we have? Right, sometimes we're waiting. Sometimes you just kind of have to sit in the process and wait in line. Then you get excitement because things are building. Right, You get excitement because things are building. Life is happening. The journey of life is happening. You get to go through a couple of little examples of what the true buildup is supposed to be, and that's a little bit exciting. And right before we get off to the top to go down the biggest section of it, right, all of us are sitting there going, I don't, I don't wanna do this anymore. It's too hard. It's too scary. I'm nervous. What am I gonna do in this moment? And you go through it. And maybe you're terrified like I was. (laughs) But as you come around the corner and the process, the favorite words that I heard from my son are, dad, let's do that again. (laughs) Let's do that again. You know what I love about that? When it comes to a faith journey, when you get on the other side of your hill, as hard as it might've been, God has equipped you with the tools and the opportunities to do it again. And maybe this time it's not just with you. Maybe God has equipped you with a moment and opportunity for you to bring somebody else alongside of you and do that alongside of them. That's faithfulness. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to realize and know that your story is a part of God's bigger story and you have a chance, you have an opportunity, you can do something about it. So how do you build your faith? You get on the roller coaster and you allow God to take you where you're going even when it's hard. There are moments in life where all of us can do something about it. Maybe for some of you in this room it's a relationship with Jesus that you've never truly had. And today is the day to kinda, to take that step, to jump into an opportunity of baptism, to live out that opportunity of connection with someone else and go, "You know what? I'm all in for this moment." Maybe today is just a reminder for you, hey, it's time to step up my game in the faithfulness world and really show up for the people around me. Maybe you've been in a season where it's been tough on you and now is an opportunity for you to step out of your comfort zone and do something about it. I get people coming to me all the time and they're talking about students and teenagers and, and many times they don't realize what they're saying or what they're doing. I get so many complaints about like, oh my goodness, they, they're lazy or, 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 or they don't know what to do or they don't think for themselves. They're, they're sexually confused and they don't know what to do. Their behavior's all off. It's a weird generation. They're always stuck in their phones. You know what I tell you to do? Stop talking about it and show up. Show up. They need people who can show them what faith looks like. They need people who can give them a glimpse of who Jesus is. And you do that by listening. You do that by showing up and participating and stop talking about, maybe for you, maybe it's financial, right? Maybe it's financial. We talk in this church world about this thing called tithing. And so many people get it, and it's a hard process. I listen to a lot of people say, man, all the church ever does is ask for money. I ask for money, more money, more money. Money is fuel. It's opportunity. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you, tithing with this 10% piece, God can do far more with that 10% than you could ever do on your own with 90. Maybe it's time for you to trust in God with your finances. Who knows where you could be. We've got a a group of people that are intentional every week to be available to help you take that next step in your faith. Here's two things that I know are for certain this week. Number one, God can use you. God can use your faithfulness. And number two, if you do nothing, I promise you'll regret it. I promise you'll regret it. The next generation of people the next generation of spiritual opportunity is laying in wake for you. Help us with your faithfulness. And I love the fact that in the journey, Jesus always allows you to participate. One of my favorite stories in all the scripture is John chapter nine. In that, Jesus meets a man who's been, he was born blind and he he spits in the dirt, right? It makes absolute no sense. He spits in the dirt and he rubs it on a dude's face. Gross, ew. He spits in the mud, he spits in the dirt, makes mud, rubs it on a dude's face, and tells the blind dude to walk forever down to the pool so that he can wash his face off. And if he does that, he'll see. Guess what? Blind dude's got to walk. He gets to participate in the journey. What happens if he doesn't walk? Then he doesn't see, just like you and me. God wants you, he ushers you on, he brings you into the ability to see him work, to see him do what only he can do. And we have to remain faithful in that. So I wanna wanna end my time real quick, and I wanna talk to two different groups of people who have done this in the season that we've been in. The first one is to our church volunteers and leaders. While we're learning and here, many of you in this room now intentionally this last hour were working with the kids, working with the next generation, using your opportunity, taking your faith and putting it into action. Many of you in this room through this season have allowed us to continue to thrive as an organization and as the body of Christ as a whole. Thank you. Can we say thank you to our church leaders and our church volunteers? Absolutely. It blows me away that people can have the difficulty that they have, go through all of the different situations that they go through, and still show up and give. That's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And the second group of people that I wanna thank is our teachers. My mom is a teacher. She's retired now, but it's a beautiful picture of me being able to see into the window of what it's like to be a teacher and growing up knowing that like I could eat the school lunch, but instead of eating the school lunch, I'm gonna eat like a PB&J or a bologna sandwich and mom's gonna take the money that she would have spent on me at lunch and she's pouring it back into buying glue for her own kids to have in the classroom. There's sacrifice after sacrifice. Teachers continue to make, and we don't see it all. And what's it like to be a teacher in this season where one day you're teaching in a classroom and you're trying to figure out life and you're good and the next day you're handed a computer and you're saying, good luck, right? To teach our next generation through the lens of what's happened. And I know some of us, maybe we've gotten frustrated in the process. They're doing their best and we're grateful for it. We're grateful for them continuing to be educators in a moment in time where it's really hard to wanna show up to work. They stuck it out, and they continue to do so every day. And they've got four or five days left, and they're probably gonna go insane. So I'm gonna ask you to do something. If you're connected to a teacher, or if you're connected to somebody who's an educator, I am encouraging you to do anything in your power to show them how much they mean to you. Let's give it up for our teachers, come on. That's celebrating faithfulness, but it doesn't stop here. I encourage you guys, connect with them, love on them, show them they matter. In this series, understanding, we have an opportunity to live out our faithfulness. We are headed into a time of communion, a time where we can spend connecting to God and recognizing his faithfulness. Right? I remember as a kid growing up, great is your faithfulness, great is your faithfulness. It is, it is because of Jesus that we have the opportunity to bear the cross, to be under the wing of Jesus. So as we spend time, as we take of the bread, we take of the the cup of juice, it is a reminder to do two things today. Number one is to say thank you to Jesus for his faithfulness. Thank you in all circumstances for loving me, the crazy weirdo dude, thank you. And number two, It's to simply look at life and go, you know what? It's time to get right. God, help me take the blinders off and see where I can be intentional in my faith. Show me where you need me to go and what you need me to do in this moment. Let me pray for us and then we'll take communion together. God, thank you so much for a chance to live it out. God, we don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect people. And we're in a moment and in a place where we can say, God, it's you. It's you are the one who was faithful. And it's because of that sacrifice that we, that you, that you chose me, that you chose us. So God, help us to live it out. Help us to see why it's so important. Help us to know As moms and dads and grandparents, that we have an opportunity to live out our faith for our family, for our community, for our church. And it's all because of you, King Jesus. So, God, I'm asking for a breakthrough, I'm asking for more. God, that our hearts would sink deep into our chest and we could realize even the brevity of life comes from you. Great is your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.